Pastor Xavier Reese says our trust is in a God that knows the end from the beginning. How long have you been walking with God? Do you think that doubting is unnatural? It isn't. G. Campbell Morgan said, quote, Obedience by faith does not mean that there will be no inquiry, no questions, no sense of difficulty. If there be no risk, then there is no faith. Whenever you're trusting God, there's difficulty. Welcome to the club. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Many of those with a regular physical workout regimen will often use the phrase, no pain, no gain, as inspiration for enduring the temporary discomfort of physical exertion in hope of a long-term positive impact for better health. And so it is for the building of a healthy faith. God may use difficulty in our life to stretch our faith as means for the ultimate goal of strengthening it. And coming up, Pastor Xavier turns to Jeremiah chapter 33 for one such spiritual exercise the prophet Jeremiah endured, who, in the end, demonstrated a sufficient faith to see him through a period of doubt. Let's listen. The prophet Jeremiah has just received a word of knowledge from the Lord, telling him that his cousin Hanamel, the son of Shalom, his uncle, was coming to him in the prison in order that he might redeem a field of Anathoth after the law of redemption. We find this in chapter 32, the beginning, verse 6 through 7. As he moves on through the chapter there, then Hanamel arrives with that very request that God had just made known to Jeremiah. And at the end of verse 8, Jeremiah says, Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So he thought God was speaking to him. He wasn't sure. But then when his cousin came, he knew it. From there, he went into the customary transaction, weighing the money out, signing the deeds. One of them sealed. The other one's open to make sure that when there's the time of redemption comes in, no one's tampered with the document. And he gives the purchase deed to Baruch from verse 9 to 12. And all of this was accomplished in the court of the prison. It's amazing where God carries out his business. In all kinds of places. Uh, I thank God for Paul who was in prison and wrote the epistles to, to the churches that are so valuable to us. Now at that time, probably people say, ah, Paul's, God's not using Paul anymore, you know, he's just done with them. He was there doing God's will. And we are so off base at times when we try to make a final statement on something just living in the present. We don't have the full picture. The last thing Jeremiah told Baruch from verse 13 to 15 was to place a document of the purchase deed in an earthen vessel to preserve it for many days because Yahweh, the captain of the armies of heaven, the God of Israel, revealed to Jeremiah that houses and fields and vineyards would be possessed again in the land. This was a step in faith. Now, you've given the land to us. Now you're taking it from us. The Babylonians have occupied even Anathoth right now. But you say you're going to give it back. So in faith, I'm stepping out. He's stepping out on what God has revealed. That's faith. Then the prophet, believing that God has spoken to him, even by the affirmation of his cousin coming, 
After a while, doubt set in, and his faith began to be tested. So Jeremiah turned to God in prayer, and that's always the way we should go. Jeremiah the prophet knew God had spoken to him, and then he said, Was that the Lord? I think he spoke to me. Yeah, he didn't. No, I don't know. Man, Jeremiah gives Xavier hope. You understand? This is the situation of Jeremiah the prophet as he is in the court of the prison in the king of Judah's house. When the word of the Lord came to him a second time in chapter 33 verse 1. This is the backdrop. God has spoken to him. He's gone through the whole transaction even as he went through many of the sign messages that we've seen. And now he's doubting and he goes to the Lord. God then in verse 2 of 33 Assured Jeremiah again that he was the creator of heaven and earth. He had formed it all. And Yahweh was his name. And then came the solution to Jeremiah's doubt and confusion. By way of a simple exhortation in verse 3. Here it is. To seek Yahweh. Call to me and I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So we want to focus on this simple exhortation to seek God, which consists of three parts. Here's the first. The personal invitation to the prophet, call to me. The personal promise to the prophet, secondly, and I will answer you. And then thirdly, the personal need of the prophet, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. This verse is loaded. Now notice first the prophet Jeremiah at this time had been prophesying for 39 years to the nation of Judah. Jeremiah would be prophesying one more year before the fall of the nation. He's in his 39th year. And here Jeremiah, he's human like you and I. Doubt came in. Now notice secondly here the prophet Jeremiah had just finished The transaction, okay? You've got to put it in its context. He just finished the transaction, redeeming the property, signed the deed, gave the money, put it away. But he started thinking about it. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, the land I just bought, the Babylonians are occupying it right now. Oh, shoot, there goes my money. There's no way I'm going to get back. It's lost. Does it sound familiar? He turns to prayer. In his prayer in chapter 32, verse 17 through 19... He begins with the acknowledgement that nothing is hard for God. That's a good way to begin. You're the Lord, the God of all flesh. There's nothing impossible for you. And he goes on through the attributes of God. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. Just. He's perfect in judgment. He's it. That's a good beginning. He moves on from verse 20 to 24 of chapter 32 to acknowledge God's intervention for his people from Egypt to the present day through signs and wonders and, and giving them the land. Yet they've been disobedient and now the present judgment is directly at the hand of God. And then he closes his prayer in verse 25 with these words. And you have said to me, O Lord God, buy the field for money and take witness. Yet the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans. The prophet Jeremiah was having doubts. Though God had spoken to him for 39 years. What an incredible reminder to you and myself. That as men and women, we are nothing but flesh at best, apart from the Spirit of God working in us. 
doesn't matter what God's done through you. doesn't matter how long you've known God. If you are not operating in this area of the Spirit, you strike out. Now, this is a legitimate doubt. You have them. I have them. The prophet goes to God. Make sure we understand that, okay? He doesn't go off to himself in the desert. He doesn't go out and hide himself in a room. He goes to prayer. The humanists of Jeremiah and others in the scripture are never, are never denied. In fact, they are purposely declared very vividly so that you and I might learn. God paints all the saints with warts and all, as has been said often. These doubts, these struggles come because of our flesh. We live in an unredeemed body right now. (laughs) I have sin nature. Now, God in his faithfulness answered Jeremiah and confirms the judgment affirming that he was the Lord, the God of all flesh in verse 26 through 44 of chapter 32. So God gives back the phrase him. Yes, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? No. It's a rhetorical question. Good perspective. When you have a final situation that is just so difficult, so unreal, then you need to understand that you measure your situation by the capacity of your God. Because if you start measuring by your own capacity, you will be discouraged. You will be dismayed. You will just want to crawl in a hole. There's nothing too hard for him. He would return the captivity to the land. No matter what the people thought, no matter how Jeremiah thought, it's going to happen. Now, yeah, be careful at this point. There are some people who say God has decreed everything, and therefore if he's decreed it, nothing can alter. But God has decreed certain things to happen. And you and I cannot alter them. They're going to happen. The first coming, the second coming, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, all those things are going to happen no matter what. But you have God's ability to allow us to, in our own freedom, to choose and and to lead our lives that I can affect my own life, but I won't affect the ultimate will of God. You understand? Because I'm a free moral agent. I'm not a robot. And that's the problem with Calvinism. Calvinism tells you that you don't have no free will. God has decreed everything. So if he's decreed everything... Then it's, it's already done. And nothing can alter it. And therefore you're a robot. Because you're dead and trapped out of sin. You can't make a decision. So whether you believe God or not, whether you trust the word of God, whether you have faith, if you're going to be saved, if you're elected, you're going to be saved no matter what. Really? So you have no free will? Well, that type of teaching denies all of life. So I have no choice on being saved or not being saved. God has elected me. So I'm saved no matter what. But then how convenient when it comes to living in holiness, then I do have a choice. It's inconsistent. It's one or the other or both or none. Which is it? So God knows the end from the beginning and we'll see that. He's laid it out here. Jeremiah's got to wrestle with this. What God has revealed. Now thirdly, the prophet Jeremiah could never rely on his experience. Or length of ministry, but a fresh daily communion with God. This is the key. No matter how long you've been walking with God, you've got to walk with Him daily. You've got to take that time. You've got to set it aside. You've got to go to Him. You've got to talk with Him. You've got to ask Him questions. You've got to get in the Word. You've got to pray. You've got to walk every day. The past only serves as an affirmation of what God has done and how God used Him. Just like you and I, we see what God has done in the last 22 years, how he started us with a Bible study with just about four people. And then how he provided for us for six and a half years, tent ministry in different buildings. Then how he gave us this building and what he has done ever since then. So we look to the past and we know God is working. We know it's him. 
And that's great. But the past cannot tell us how God is going to work in the future. Neither could Jeremiah. So I have to be careful that I don't use the past to lock God into the future. The past just serves and tells me God continue wants to work, but I don't know how he's going to work. The present need of Jeremiah was to seek God for his doubts. And his apprehensiveness in view of the difficult situation. So that I don't limit God, as the psalmist says. They limited the Holy One of Israel in the desert. And that I'm open to the will of God to be redirected. Very important. Like Paul, after many years, look at Jeremiah. Where is he at? 39 years of many. What a faithful servant. Where is he? He's in the can. He's in jail. What a slam to all the ministers of the Western world who preach a health and wealth gospel. They drive around their Mercedes and their Rolls Royce. G. Campbell Morgan said, quote, Obedience by faith does not mean that there will be no inquiry, no questions, no sense of difficulty. If there be no risk, then there is no faith. Whenever you're trusting God, there's difficulty. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I believe by faith what God has revealed, what God tells me. He says, if you believe me, I will save you. I believe what he has revealed. And I trust him for that work. How long have you been walking with God? Do you think that doubting is unnatural? It isn't. Now, if you live in doubting all the time, then it is wrong. <laughs> okay? But all of us have doubts. As long as you're in this body, you're going to have doubts about many things. But you've got to go back to the commitment. You've got to go back to what you know. If you build your life on doubts, your life will fall. You've got to build your life on facts. Our doubts are usually because we have assessed the problems on our own abilities. I said earlier, forgetting that there is nothing too hard for God. And so I have to bring my thoughts into captivity. Now, Jeremiah 32, 17 tells us that. Is there anything too hard for me? In 32, 27, twice. Doubts are going to come. They are the test of your faith and my faith. In fact, Peter puts it this way. In 1 Peter 1, 16, 6-7. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved for various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So your faith and my faith is tested every day and is being refined from one vessel to another. And hopefully we're learning and growing from it. Every time I come to God, or you come to God, we come in faith. Which is trusting Him for what He has revealed about Himself, about Satan, about sin, about man, about the end times, and we believe it. We believe that what He's given us is truth, and therefore we believe by faith. In fact, in that hall of faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews, Hebrews 1, 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In verse 2, For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. If I'm going to have a good testimony before the church and before the Lord, then I'm walking by faith, not by sight, not by feeling, not by my own understanding. And in verse 6 of that chapter, he says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Not once in a while, not when I think I need it, not when I feel like it, but diligently seek Him. That's my part. 
Some of our greatest doubts will come after God has spoken to us personally. So we need to wait on God. Whenever God speaks to me, I write it down. I write it down, I put dates, I put times when He speaks to me. And some things I've written down and I find out perhaps that it hasn't come to pass. If He speaks to me about something, then I let Him make sure He's going to fulfill it. I wait upon God to do it. David, ready to leave this world and pass the baton to his son Solomon, he says in First Chronicles 28, 9, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve Him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will cast you off forever. That's a personal responsibility. To seek God. No one can do it for you. You can't do it for anybody else. You can't do it for your wife. Your wife can't do it for you as a husband. You can't do it for your children. They have to come to a place where they have their own relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The personal invitation to the prophet Jeremiah was, Call to me. Real simple. Do you think if you call that he's not going to answer? Of course he is. So then he says the personal promise to the prophet is, and I will answer you. The prophet Jeremiah had experienced the past all kinds of times when God had answered him. Just reflecting on his ministry. You remember chapter 1 and his call? Chapter 1 verse 4 through 8. God answered Jeremiah specifically about his call as a prophet. Here's a couple of real specifics. In verse 4, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So God was able to reach Jeremiah. Okay? God is able to reach you. Now there's a responsibility for you to give your ear to God. Alright? Because He doesn't force you. But then in verse 5, the Lord said, Behold, I formed you in the womb. I knew you. So before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Pretty specific. He answered him. Because Jeremiah has some doubts. The response of Jeremiah in verse 6 was, Oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I am a youth. He's a teenager. And the Lord answers. Listen, verse 7 and 8. Do not say I'm a youth. For you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. He answered him. In Jeremiah's call, there were many doubts, many apprehensions, many, you know, and God answered it one at a time. 39 years have been going on. God says the same thing. Call on me. I will answer you. Still in chapter 1 of his call, from verse 13 to 19, Yahweh answered Jeremiah in the first vision that he had for his commission. Jeremiah doesn't know what this is. <laughs> in verse 13, God revealed his message to Jeremiah through that vision. And the word of the Lord came to me the second time saying, what do you see? I said, I see a boiling pot and it's facing away from the north. And then God answers the interpretation of the vision. Verse 14, out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. God answered him. The details are given in verse 15. 
For behold, I am calling all the families of the kings of the north, says the Lord. They shall come, and each one will set their throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls all around, and against all the cities of Judah. I always think that's pretty specific, don't you think? God can speak to you specifically as He has, and you know He has. And if you walk with God, you've experienced it. But maybe it's been a while since you've heard the voice of God because you haven't tuned your ear to God and you've gotten to a place where you think you've got it together. Or you think that you walk with God long enough and you, you just kind of, you know, you're in control. You and I need to tune our ear to God daily. In verse 17 of that chapter still, God warned them about not being dismayed or intimidated by the face of the people who were going to be hating him. Lest he would confound him before their faces. And he assures him the protection. He says, I've made your iron pillar, a brazen wall. You trust me, I will deliver you. As your children are growing, they have many fears, many insecurities. That's why it's so important for husband and wife to be one and for mom to be at home. Your children will first day at school. First day at the nursery. And you have to assure them, I'm going to be here. I'm coming back. I'm going to be right over here. It's okay. This is what God does to us. He knows our frailties. He knows our fears. What is the most common phrase throughout the Old Testament? Stop being afraid. Be strong and courageous. (laughs) Interesting. Yahweh answered Jeremiah very definitely regarding the ongoing intercession for his people. Remember, he kept praying for his people. He loved the people. And God answered him very, very specifically. In chapter 7, verse 16, he says, Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Wow, that's pretty specific answer. In chapter 11, verse 14. So do not pray for those people. Or lift up a cry. Pray for them. For I will not hear them in the time that they cry out to me because of their trouble. One more time. 14, 11. Then the Lord said to me, do not pray for those people for their good. I would say that's pretty specific, don't you think? Now, do you think God has changed? You think God can't speak to you specifically? Oh, he does. He speaks to us very specifically. Be it through a word of knowledge. Be it as I'm reading the word of God. Be it as I'm interacting, fellowshipping with you and God nails me on something. Be it as I'm driving down the freeway and all of a sudden I'm hearing a song or hearing a study and boom, he nails me. Or he encourages me. Or he guides me. God, for 39 years, had been answering Jeremiah. Jeremiah is doubting at this point what God has revealed. So he goes back to God. And God faithfully answers Jeremiah again. Pastor Xavier Reese, using the example of the prophet Jeremiah to illustrate how God welcomes the opportunity to quell our doubts. And let me quickly remind you, if you've missed any part of this message, you can hear it from beginning to end again anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com.
but there's much more to this study to come right here next time as well. And if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a CD copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply Knowing the King's Business. It's available for only $4. Once again, the title to ask for is Knowing the King's Business, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Join Pastor Xavier Reese for more simple truths of finding God's will next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 